When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It was barely the first week of June, and it was clear that this year's fire season was going to be particularly bad. Hundreds of fires raged across the country, darkening the skies and sending so much smoke and fine particulate matter into the air that people felt compelled to stay indoors in many places. I'm Gabe Friedman, and this week on Down to Business, I looked at the economic impacts of wildfires with an eye towards the ripple consequences that linger after the fact. Earlier this year, Anson Ho, an assistant professor at Toronto Metropolitan University's Ted Rogers School of Management, was a co-author on a study of the 2016 Fort McMurray wildfire, which was among the costliest wildfire disasters in Canadian history, with an estimated $9.9 billion price tag. Ho found that mortgage delinquencies more than doubled among homeowners whose houses were severely damaged. And he talked about some of the reasons why the costs of wildfires are not so easy to quantify. I also spoke to Camille Wallet dallaire an assistant professor at the School of Science and the Environment at Memorial University of Newfoundland, who studies how people are linked to ecology and offered her perspective on how to think about wildfire impacts. As always, the interviews are edited for clarity and brevity. Anson, thank you so much for coming on Down to Business today to talk to me. Hi, Gabe. Thanks for having me here. We're blanketed in wildfire smoke, probably all throughout almost all of Canada right now. And I wanted to talk to you because you are the author of a very interesting paper titled, We Didn't Start the Fire, Effects of a Natural Disaster on Consumers' Financial Distress. Does it make sense maybe to start with a summary of what your paper was about and what the headline finding was? Sure. We studied this wildfire because it was the most costliest disaster in Canada when the research was done. Another reason is that wildfire is usually covered in homeowners' policy. So we want to see if the wildfire had any impacts on consumer finance. And we find that for homes that are physically burned down, homeowners have experienced financial distress and they had uh, increased mortgage delinquency, and the increase was about 0.7%. Right. And this is, again, the 2016 Fort McMurray fire. Something like 6,000 square kilometers of land were destroyed in this fire. And I think like 8% of all the private dwellings in that area. So it was a huge, huge disaster. And as you just mentioned, that you did find that the wildfires caused pretty severe financial stress on mortgage holders, on homeowners. But I'm wondering if you can just contextualize that a little bit. Well, one way to quantify and to contextualize this is to compare it to the Great Recession. During the Great Recession in 2008 to 2010, in Alberta, mortgage delinquency increased by about 0.7% as well. Of course, it's not an apple-to-apple -apple comparison because Great Recession was seen to have much bigger impact, longer impacts than wildfire. But you get an idea that delinquency impact on homeowners is about the same level. So can you talk to me for a second about how you figured this out? We're talking about loan delinquencies now, right? Like 
people missing their mortgage payments. So in Fort Murray, we identified regions that were severely burned down in the wildfires. And we used consumer credit data to construct a, a fake uh, synthetic memory using other, other areas in Alberta and Saskatchewan. We use data to, to compile to create a synthetic fault memory, and that's what we call a synthetic control method. And we compare this synthetic fault memory versus the actual fault memory damaged by Wi-Fi, and we compare the delinquency in mortgage in these two areas, and we look at the difference. And the difference is what we call treatment effect, the effect of the Wi-Fi. Right. You mentioned the the sort of mortgages that were in arrears increased by 0.7%, which is comparable to the Great Recession. Mm -hmm. What exactly happened there? These are people who basically defaulted on their mortgage? So the mortgage delinquency increased from 0.5% to a peak 1.2%. That's a 0.7% increase. Uh, just thinking about that, 0.5 to 1.2, that means like the number of mortgage delinquencies like basically doubled as a result of this. Yes. After the Wi-Fi, there were financial aids from the federal government. There were payment holidays by banks like people received during the COVID period. But what we observed is that the delinquency increased after four months of the Wi-Fi, after the payment holiday ended. And it kept on increasing until about 12 months after the Wi-Fi. Then delinquency just decreased sharply after that. And there wasn't any treatment effect of Wi-Fi after 18 months since the Wi-Fi. What we found is that people have financial distress, even though their destroyed homes are covered by insurance. But they were into a lengthy settlement process and insurance companies just have so many claims that they need time to process and ending up with consumers, homeowners in distress situation. But after um, a year or so, they were able to settle their claims, they were compensated and they were able to repay their mortgage and move on. Right. And that's an important point. You know, in the immediate aftermath of one of these wildfires where there is so much damage, the insurance companies are overwhelmed. It takes a longer time to sort of process claims, to sort everything out. What I think your study implies is that it takes about a year before that devastation even begins to sort of resolve itself a little. Yeah, there was a lot of financial distress. A lot of people don't know is that even though your home is destroyed by Wi Fi, you're still required to make monthly mortgage payment. Well, uh, during the Fort Memory Wi-Fi, there was payment holiday, but there was only for four months. After that, um, people still had to resume their mortgage payment. They got some compensation from insurance company called additional living expenses, but what still does a lot of financial distress and it, it may turn into emotional distress Oh, when will I get my insurance compensation? Now I have to find a new place to live. Should I keep my home or should I just sell it and move on to other places? There are lots of things going on for them. Can we draw any conclusions from your study about how wildfires affect the stability of the financial system? So when we talk about this financial stability, it's a very long story. In short, what we are talking about is, in general, climate risk. Climate risk. Yeah, the physical 
aspect of this is what we call physical risk, that people's property get getting destroyed, like their homes, their cars, their personal properties that would cause them emotional stress and financial distress. The insurance claim process may drag on for a long time because there are so many claims there and they may have to relocate to other areas. Those are stressful moments. And if we have a lot, a lot more disasters, then the insurance company may suffer from losses and they will respond to all these things. Uh, for example, Nova Scotia has stopped issuing new insurance because of the Wi-Fi. Wow. And we know from other research that California insurers, some of them have stopped underwriting insurance just because the, the, the risk is too high. Those will affect the real property market a lot because if people cannot get insurance or cannot get insurance at a reasonable premium, then they may not be able to get mortgage and buy their homes. And real property prices may drop or may drop sufficiently that may they may have risk in the financial system. And in the long run, instead of just talking about the physical risk, we know from existing research that climate risk or global warming will have a long effect in the economy that people become less productive. For example, during the Wi-Fi these days, there's a lot of air pollution. If you do outdoor work, you probably have to stop working or people would not go out to have meals at restaurants. And all this would affect productivity. Lower productivity means firms would be less profitable and they could have problems repaying their business loans. And at the end of the day, that may translate into higher chance of systemic risk in our financial system. Yeah. There's a paragraph in your paper that says the network for greening the financial system, which is an international network of 87 central banks, recommends that central banks integrate climate-related risk into financial stability monitoring. And I'm wondering if you think that our financial system adequately recognizes the impacts and risks of climate change. I think so. But I also think this is just the beginning. I know that in academia, we talk a lot about climate risk. And if we read reports from central banks, we know that they start assessing climate risk. And in private companies, they talk about ESG. So there's a lot of things going on and it's an ongoing process that will happen for many, many years in the future. And that's what we call transition risk in terms of climate risk, that we are just uncertain how our future will go. Is the risk going to increase a lot really quickly or is it the case that we will, uh, we will face the risk that's increasing slowly? How will this affect insurance Will it just be impossible to get insurance or will everyone's insurance go up or will it be both? Uh, most likely both because uh, what we call intensive margin is the premium when the risk goes up, the premium would go up as well. So people will likely see higher premium, especially those who are in areas vulnerable to Wi-Fi. And what we call extensive margin is what we discussed before that the risk is too high, so high that insurance company won't be able to assess the risk, to price the risk. In that case, they may just exit the market. Well, no business is better than business losing money. Yeah. 
a sort of last question here is what are some of the bigger conclusions that you draw about wildfires and the effects they'll have on our economy? So wildfire is not a standalone event. It is going to be more severe and more frequent due to climate change. And in that case, we also bring up the liability issues of climate change, who is going to be responsible and who is going to pay for the damage. One way to think about this is that we have wildfire, homes get destroyed, insurance company would pay for the damage. Another aspect of this is that government done enough to prevent wildfire, to adopt climate change, and to make sure that we have enough measures for disaster mitigation. If we have enough funding invest in climate adaptation, wildfires, the damages may be limited at the first place. It's not just something for insurance or something for homeowners. Is for all the stakeholders in the financial system that we think about this collectively to make sure that we get a way effective for climate change to move forward. Well, thank you very much for coming on Down to Business to talk to me about this important topic. Thank you. That was Anson Ho, Assistant Professor at Toronto Metropolitan University's Ted Rogers School of Management. Now we're going to pause a minute for a short break. And now my next guest is Camille Wallat Dallaire, an assistant professor at the School of Science and the Environment at Memorial University of Newfoundland. Camille, thank you so much for coming on Down to Business today to talk to me. Thank you so much for having me. Very excited to discuss some of these questions. Yes. Well, as we speak, I am in Ontario where we are blanketed in smoke. You can smell it. You can taste it. You're in Newfoundland. Maybe maybe it's the only spot that isn't like that. But uh you're a geographer who studies ecosystems, cumulative impacts of different events. Can you talk to me for a second about what you see as some of the less obvious costs of wildfires? My discipline really looks at how the ecosystem and the nature that surrounds us, how does it contribute to human well-being? So not just the financial money that we can take out of the landscape, for example, with things like timber or freshwater or mining but also thinking about other things like when we go out for a hike and how does that bring mental health benefit? How when we go gather berries, well, that's something we can bring home and continue tradition from our families. So when we think about some of the fires that are happening across Canada, of course, it's going to have huge economic impact on timber harvest, people that have lost their home. And this will have a lot of cost for these people. But there's also a lot of costs in changing the landscape and how people relate to that landscape and how people have been using that landscape. And that's really a conversation that is especially relevant when we think of the case of the Halifax fire, where we really have people really close, an urban center that has basically lost that belt around it, where there was a lot of recreation happening, connection to nature happening, where we're going to see a really big change. What are the kind of things that people can access in nature because of this change with the forest fire? So when you look at this, how do you think about that impact besides people just not getting to go hiking in this space? The way I like to think about the landscape is what are nature's contribution to people? It can be anything ranging from, you know, the aesthetic beauty that gives us this sense of wellness, this, this sense of 
identity, right? As Canadian, we identify with the wilderness. One of the things that I read about the fire was how New York is really covered in smoke right now, right? But the way the headlines are, it's always a Canadian forest fire in the future after this forest fire. And we've seen that in other places. There's going to be a lot of challenging on how do we deal with these major disasters in nature? And it's really hard to put a cost on that because that might be reflected in a lot of different ways. It might be someone experiencing more eco-anxiety or ecological grief for the landscape. It might be someone that suddenly has to find a new fishing spot. And, you know, for some people that live more in urban area, this might sound trivial, but a lot of research has shown that people that live in remote places, they have a lot of connection with the landscape because it's really part of their identity, so who they are, but it's also part of their day-to-day life in a way that it's not the same in urban area, just because there's not the same access. So I think that when we look at the forest fire, yes, there's going to be costs. People are going to lose houses. There might be flooding. Uh, that's one of the patterns we see is if there's large extents of forest missing, it interferes with the hydrological cycle. And that might lead to an acceleration of that, which might in turn lead to more flooding. Those are costs that we know it's going to affect material like the house, the highway, the infrastructure. But when we think about how people react and interfere, well, it's a lot harder to really pinpoint what are going to be the costs for that. These are bringing a lot of questions about climate change, about what the future would be like. And those are really difficult things to put a dollar value on because we all live it differently. And there's no one solution for all of this. It seems like a good point. Ask you for a second. Climate change, many people think of it just as global warming, but it's actually an increase in the severity and frequency of weather related events like the smoke from wildfire. Uh, One question I would want to ask is whether you draw any broader lessons about climate change and its impacts. So warming is a part of climate change because we see that our averages from year to year or even decadal, so 10-year average, are increasing. But the really difficult part of it is that this warming and this increase in temperature will not be felt as just every day there's going to be a 0.1 degree increase. So often when I think about the impact of climate change on my life, I live in Newfoundland on the west coast of Newfoundland. I think of it as an increased intensity of any extreme meteorological phenomenon. So for example, it could be heavy rain, it could be hurricane season being longer. It can also be what we see here is a lot of increased events where we have rain on top of snow in the winter which can lead to flooding because the soil can absorb the water, right? So if we can't draw a direct line between the forest fire and climate change because there's so many other elements to it. But what we can say and what the science is telling us is that climate change will increase the frequency of these extreme events, which include forest fire. So if we want to take action and reduce forest fire, it is imperative that there are some meaningful climate action taken by all the level of government and individual. It's important that we realize that it's happening now. It's not something that's going to happen in 10 years. Like, it's happening now. Like, we see the change right now. And so it's not something that is in our future. It's something that we'll need to cope now. So it's interesting when we see at the forest fire and some of the major coverage, as when Ken is saying, oh, it's not climate change or it is climate change. And I think that that's not a, for me, that's not an important thing where we can attribute one forest fire to one climate change event. What's important to me is that 
we know that this increases the frequency. And at some point, we won't be able to cope with all of these increases. Our systems aren't designed for them. And so if we don't take meaningful action to accommodate these new realities, it's going to be really difficult to deal with all of these fires and different type of extreme uh, events. I just want to say thank you so much for coming on Down to Business to talk to me about this and providing the geographer's lens and way to think about these events. Well, thank you so much for having me. And, you know, I, I hope that we can all think about it in the context of like, this is not an isolated event and we will see this happening more in the future. And, you know, finally take meaningful action to ensure that this is not the future that our children will live in. That's this week's episode of Down to Business. Thank you to both of my guests and thank you to all of my listeners. This episode was a team effort. Bryce Hall executive produced this episode, composed and performed the original music and designed the Down to Business logo. Noella Ovid, Pam Heaven, and Victoria Wells provided web support and editing. I'm Gabe Friedman, and I'll return with more episodes of Down to Business. In the meantime, check out financialpost.com for your latest news about Canadian businesses and the economy.